0: I notice that it's that much more important for me to focus on the other elements of my management of my energy, my mental, my emotional, my spiritual, my financial, my relational, uh, my recreational, all those other parts of me, I need to make sure that I'm really dialed into, especially if another one is compromised.
1: Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth, that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day, and welcome to Give Ahead. On today's show, I welcome Teresa Rose. Teresa is a brand and business crystallizer, strategic co-creator and certified speaking professional who works with experts in their businesses to create one-of-a-kind visual brands they can draw on a cocktail napkin. Using her crystallization process, Teresa helps... Thought leaders clarify, amplify, and monetize their brilliance as effectively and lucratively as possible. Teresa brings delightful enthusiasm, energy, and insight on how entrepreneurial experts can cut through the noise and distraction to create meaningful, lasting, and lucrative connections with their customers and fans. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Teresa. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey.
0: Thanks, Dwight, for having me. I appreciate
1: it. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me your time as well. It's It works both ways, right? I appreciate it too, because for those new to the show or even my listeners that have been on for a long time for the last few years, they know that we're both giving of our time that we can never get back. So I appreciate it a lot and, and I take it seriously because at the end of the day, I want to make sure this is impactful for you, impactful for the listeners. And of course me, I kind of like want to get something out of it too. So it's all good. (laughs) So Teresa, as I mentioned before we hit record, one of the things I focus on, especially for the new listeners, I focus on a person's origin story, just so that we can get to connect to you on a more personal basis. Besides what just happened to you from high school forward. If you have Anything you'd like to share, as much as you want to share, it can be as long as you want. Um, I find the better the origin story, the better connection to the listeners. So please tell me your origin story, Teresa, and what key things from your childhood to adulthood led you to where you're at currently?
0: Yeah, well, thank you for the question. I love telling uh, my origin story because I believe that uh, who we are and how we serve and how we shine is uh, often uh, revealed very early on in our lives. And uh, for me, I when I look back on my life and I see what were the fundamental uh, milestones and elements of what my life is, it has to start with my mom. And, and you and I spoke a little bit before we started about my Uh, weathered 1960 copy of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich on my right behind me on my shoulder Uh, and it's one of my most prized possessions and it really reflects that origin story for me Um, my my mother it was a single mom Uh, who had a full-time job as a nurse, and she had three children. I was the youngest, am the youngest, and still the youngest. (laughs) I haven't become the oldest yet. Uh, And uh, I saw her at the most formative years of my life, which, you know, five years five years of age, uh, suddenly having my life uh, change with where I lived and what was happening and all the things that were swirling and whirling around when my parents uh, were no longer together. And I witnessed firsthand my mother uh, being kind of the original uh, entrepreneurial, uh, you know, uh, hustler you know she she had to get things done she had to be able to uh provide and there was no one else that was going to help her do that and i saw what she did, and part of what she did was uh, expand her horizons. She looked at something that was bigger than what she had thought she was meant to do uh, in the nursing field, and she became uh, a Mary Kay consultant. And it, when I was five years old, and she was a, a, a customer for years, she loved the product. But she became a consultant in in uh, in when I was five, and a year later, she became a director. And she was a director for the next. Thirty years until her passing in 2006 and she and the answer is yes she had a pink cadillac so i grew up in my uh, childhood riding shotgun in a pink cadillac and it was a very uh uh illuminating and motivating and, uh, powerful place to grow up. Uh, I saw, I I like to tell people that I knew more women at the, by the age of eight than most people know in a lifetime because I was her assistant. I, I went to uh, strangers' houses all over the Midwest uh, and, and their dining room tables, and I was chief washcloth runner and product fulfillment officer and, uh, and, and you know, cheerleader watching her in action. And part of that process is really multifold. Number one is I got exposure to uh, the, the mechanics of successful sales, and I got exposure to the mechanics of successful leadership. I saw my mother doing these things time and time and time again, and I noticed that, uh, you know, and I picked up on things that were relevant. For example, uh, you don't sell. To be a great salesperson, you don't sell. You never want to sell. You want to show and tell. You want to be the expert that is simply uh, offering your expertise and what you know. And either they like it or they don't. And if they don't like it, that's okay. It's not a personal reflection on you, and it doesn't change. And it and it and it, and it keeps the energy in a way that is helpful as opposed to uh, opportunistic. So number one, I saw that she never got, she'd be disappointed when she would, you know, would, would pack up her stuff in a Minnesota blizzard and we'd, you know, run across town in her rusty Datsun B210. And she'd, uh, you know, we'd have these two big heavy pink suitcases full of product that I loved playing with, uh, that we would go to these strangers homes and then she'd sell a mascara. And then we'd have to do it all over again. And that was actually one of the things that she said to me that I will never forget. On her deathbed, we would have all these conversations, the best conversations we ever had in our lives. We had in the four four months of her her decline. Uh, and I asked her once in the middle of the night. Uh, You know, she was two o'clock in the morning. She still wanted to talk. She just wanted to talk and talk and talk and talk and and live as much life as she could uh, in those last few months. And I asked her, what was the hardest part of your job? And she told me that story of the, of the working all day on my feet and being exhausted and needing to feed you and getting, having to turn up, you know, put the, put the dress on and put the heels on and, you know, put the car, put all the stuff in the Datsun B210 and then sell the mascara. That wasn't the hard part. The hard part was doing it again the next day it's doing it again when when times get tough it's doing it again when you face plant it's doing it again when you don't make any money it's doing it again when you lose hope when you feel lost when you feel alone when you feel fearful and desperate and to still keep doing it and operating from that place in your heart of genuine connection and service. So that's part of what I learned growing up. Uh, And I also would say that Living uh, and 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 growing up, riding shotgun in a pink Cadillac, also gave me exposure to the power of positive psychology. Uh, it was the exposure to uh, being um, deliberate in your mindset, staying positive. Uh, I mean, I had I had a stuffed animal that was given to my mom uh, because she was one of the top performers mm-hmm. in her uh, in her unit in her whole area. And as part of a Christmas present that they gave, they gave a little Ms. Bear. And it was this little stuffed animal that had a, a woman, a bear that had a little business suit on and you could pull the cord and the cord would talk to you. And in normal kids... <laughs> regular kids would have stuffed animals that would you know that wouldn't uh tell them if it is to be it is up to me and you pull the cord and it would say you can go to the top and you're perfect just perfect i mean these are the kinds of messages that i got when i was in the formative state of of you know growing up so knowing that was my uh was my input uh it really did color everything that I did after that. You know, I was most enthusiastic in second grade And I came home crying, going, I don't know what this means. Is this, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And my mom snapped her long painted fingernails, tapped the, you know, the, the kitchen table and said, Teeter, that's the best one you could possibly get. Most enthusiastic is going to take you far, Lady Jane. You are going to go long ways uh, by that, you know, and, and she was right because there were times in my life when opportunities opened up for me and, uh, and, and uh, stages were opened up for me as a professional speaker. Not because I was the expert on X, Y, or Z topic, but simply because the energy that I brought, the enthusiasm that I brought, the genuine presence that I brought in every situation was so palpable that people would say, I don't know what you do, but I want a little bit of it. So whatever you speak on, I we want to have. And so enthusiasm, I would say, is the core part of what I got uh, as part of my origin story.
1: Wow. Yeah. that and. What a great thing to get, like you were saying, and like your mom said about you. I was reading that about your grade two, and I smiled last night when I was reading that. I thought that's awesome because most people don't think that that would be worth bringing up, but actually it is. It is worth bringing up because (laughs) we have so many monumental things that happen throughout our lives from our earliest recollections that society dampens. Oh, that's what do yeah. you, that was when you were a child. What does that matter? Right? They don't really yeah. encourage us to continue to blossom right from that person in grade two all the way to where you are today. Um, I like the fact of, man, some of the people I have on as guests, there's so many commonalities. My sister was a director for a long, long time in Mary Kay. So I seen the nice. pink Cadillacs and yep. all the way up to where they went to, uh it was probably, probably would have been around, I don't know, 2008, 10 or whatever. They started going from the Cadillac car to the SUV. Right. So, yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it makes me smile because my sister, her, she was a teacher, but it was something that was just not resonating with her anymore. Um How angry parents are and how broken the school systems can be in our, in our North American continent. So she, got involved in Mary Kay part-time and eventually became her full-time thing. So it made me smile when you talked about that because it Mary Kay and a lot of these um, networking companies, people don't realize they do a lot of personal development. They, they do a lot of encouragement oh, yeah. and things that even if it doesn't work for you, somebody that's listening, if you're thinking negative and you've been involved in some network marketing, MLM, and you 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 missed the point like some of it isn't just about learning how to sell a product or a service it's about you know reaching your growing. inner self and and yeah yeah growing blossoming and being yep. you know starting on that journey where you never stop climbing and that's yep. what happened for me with uh an mlm though where i got started was with amway right mm-hmm. i haven't yep. been involved with it for a long time more than yep. 20 years yep. but you know, going to these events where you'd have these speakers come up and talk, and it was always very positive, very enthusiastic, like, you know, all the things that we need in life, instead of what we get given in life, what we choose to accept in life, people listening, you don't have to accept things that don't make you feel good, right? Don't make you feel glad. We won't get into the details of all the different things a person can start doing to get those baby steps. We might talk about it a little bit later. I did put some stuff in my notes here, but I thought that was that was really cool that you brought that up. I just you get yeah. that warm and fuzzy feeling. It's like wow, well, it may not be my mom, but my sister, right? My oldest sister, right? And how it yeah, you know what life. though,
0: it's perspective too, though, because I remember growing up, I was just horrified by it, and yeah. uh, because I was already kind of a you know an oddball. I I was uh, I loved being smart. Uh, and I loved uh, activating my brain. I'm, I'm very creative and very, uh, very um, curious, intellectually curious. And so I wasn't, I wasn't uh, supported by that in, in the, in, in life generally as a child, as a girl as a girl. And so I was nerdy and I was also uh, theatrical, you know, I was one of those kids to talk about another part of my life is I was the kind of kid that had the uh, the hairbrush where I would do a show for all my stuffed animals, That's right? Awesome. And uh, Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball were my heroes, and I wanted to be, you know, on stage and be funny and be uh, be a performer. So all of those things, I was a bit of an oddball, and uh, and also, you know, growing up in a pink Cadillac and having a mom who was glitzy and had, you know, false eyelashes and long. Pink painted fingernails and, uh, and had to, you know, she, she, she marched to her own drum, no doubt about it. Uh, It was a source of embarrassment for me for many years. And I'm, I'm sad to think of those times because, you know, my mom, now that I'm, you know, uh, my own woman, and that I've raised my own child, I think to myself how kind of cruel that was, uh, that I was so disparaging of it. Like, Oh, could we just not, could you not drop me off in front of the school every day in the pink Cadillac? It was like being dropped off by, you know, Gloria Gaynor singing, (laughs) I will survive. Like I, I didn't need any more attention, mom. I didn't need any more attention. But when we get past that moment of our lives that feels so hard and we can look back on it and go, wow, that really served me really, really well. And I'm grateful for it. That's the kind of attitude that I like to adopt is how can I look at the situation even now and go I know it might be uncomfortable but put yourself in the perspective of you know there's a gift in there you know there's an opportunity in there you know there's something to be grateful for be in that space so that you don't waste any more of your time being uh being disappointed or wishing something were different
1: yeah I love that Go grateful I look back at what I learned from my dad. My dad was a very successful entrepreneur um, with a business, lots of staff. And I used to resent things like, you know, do this, do that. And I was a young kid and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. No, you got to come and work. You know, I give you the basics of life. You got shelter, food, love. Now you got to come work for anything else you want. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and. it wasn't until I got older where I looked back and I used to initially when I was going through my personal development journey and learning things I'd look back and I'd feel guilty about things. And I shed that though, because I wasn't mentally mature enough. I wasn't, I hadn't reached that, that level of, of, uh, awareness, I guess, right? Right. Being aware that how much my dad taught me and how many things I still utilize today. And it really hit home for me, my dad's still alive. But when I wrote my own book, and I talked about my origin, and, and really, all the things I learned, and I was going, I I was having all these aha moments, like, Oh, my goodness, I learned that from my dad. Oh, my goodness, I used to give him a hard time about it.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, oh, right. right? Yeah. So I can appreciate what you're saying. And, I, and thanks for sharing that. And you talked about your mom teaching you, you know, cause you were a girl. Well, I'm a mm-hmm. single dad. My dad, my kids are all growing up now, but I have five kids, four of them daughters. So one of the biggest blessings I had was the personal development journey, the five love languages, learning how to, cause otherwise, I don't know if I would have been able to cope or deal or educate or empathize or realize that I thought that I had the abilities of being an empath. And I've been working on that for a long time now to help my daughters, right? Even when they were younger now into adulthood, it's so important. So if if you're a guy listening to this, you can, you can make women, girls, right? Feel equal because they are, you know, it's, it's already hard enough in society. Things have gotten better. In some ways, since you were younger, and even my kids now, they're like my oldest daughter's 37, but it doesn't mean that there's not a long way to go yet. So, right.
0: I mean, it's, 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 it was not, for example, I, I was, you know, a great student and I had a ton of uh, extracurriculars, as you could well imagine, in drama club and student council and key club and uh, everything you can imagine. And I, still had a um you know i i started out as a secretary right i instead of just automatically getting to a level of um serving in the business world at the level that i really earned and deserved and could absolutely play in i, I kind of automatically got s- Pigeonholed because I was female. Oh, and then there's a thumbs up that thinks that yeah, too on I Zoom because I, I just yeah. did that. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it. And I will say though that it's not all shiny. And one of the things that is a part of my origin story that I'm continuing to work on is when you are raised by a entrepreneur who is supporting themselves solely by their own efforts. What I experienced was an, a, a, a perpetual state of not enough. I experienced, uh, you know, like the beginning of the month and the end of the month for 20 years were tra- traumatic for me because the first of the month was, oh my gosh, we're starting at zero again. And at the end of the month was, oh my gosh! I hope we're going to get the numbers. I don't know if we're going to get the numbers when it comes to the sales yeah. and and unit, you know, production and et cetera, et cetera. And while she tried to shield me from that, I also was observing it, and I was seeing her angst, I was seeing her agitation and her anxiety and her fear, and those kinds of things. When you're a child, you know, it goes in. And it, you, you, you can, you, you take it in as a, as a, as a pattern, as an energy. And so as someone who runs her own business, who has for the last 20 years, I still struggle with, you know, that, that automatic kind of, um autonomic, I don't even, I don't even try it. It just shows up this notion of, uh, oh, you know, I got to keep going or is it, is it going to work or is this month is when it's all going to fall apart when it's not based on truth. It's not based on fact. It's just having lived a life of a commission salesperson and somebody who needed to produce every single month or not get paid, that was the experience that I had. So I'm still working through, uh, you know, money trauma.
1: I I don't think we ever get rid of that money monster though, right? I honestly don't because being in finance as a planner for 21 years for individuals and companies, I hear the same things over and over again. And people are afraid to to enjoy the journey because of that hamster wheel thought process. Oh, it's the end of the month and we're going to make it. Oh, now we're starting over and we yeah. it gets stuck in us. No matter how often I think even for myself that those moments of quiet desperation creep in and I have to utilize tools and different things that I've learned and I educate others on and how to squash it, but it, 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 it is real. That hamster wheel of starting over, right? Or like people, they're excited from Monday to Friday and they're excited Friday's coming. And then they realize Saturday evening, oh, tomorrow, Sunday, I'm back at work Monday. And they're back. They have a temporary, um, you know, relief from that hamster wheel, but they jump right back on it because it's that go to work, go home, get paid, start over. Oh my goodness. Here's my paycheck. Now I got to wait for the next paycheck, or if you're a business yeah. person, you got to worry about starting over again. Especially if you're commission based, yeah. like your yeah. mom was, and yeah. I am myself yeah. in my own industry, commission based. Um, and well, your business as well, right? Your, Two. Your, yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, billable business, same thing. Yeah. So I can totally relate to that. Um, I also liked what you talked about, and I hear this quite often though. Like your mom would sell that tube lipstick or mascara or whatever, and you'd put all that effort in for 50 cents, let's say, for an example. And it's the same as me. I can, I got to put in the same effort every day. So your mom would have to dress up and do it the next day. And you, and you realized all that. And and I get it because I can do something that makes me 50 bucks or something that makes me 5,000 bucks, but I don't know. I have to put the same effort in and sometimes it's very defeating that effort you put in to get 50 cents it's yes. hard to keep our mental mindset so i think people such as us that are in in the people relationship business and dealing with people we really have to yeah. stay plugged into personal development, right?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean the number one responsibility that we have is to ensure that our energy management is at the level that we need it to be. Our personal energy management, our physical energy, our mental energy, our emotional energy, our spiritual energy, right? All, All of those it. things need to be in place and, and constant, it's a constant vigilance posture. I mean, I even just this morning, I had that same thing where I looked at my day and I'm trying, not, not trying, I am not looking at it and saying how hard it is or how much it is or how busy it is. It's like the language that we're using to tell ourselves the life that we're having. And I don't want to live a life that's hard and busy and tough and long and I want to live a rich life I want to live a full life I want to live a satisfying life so when I look at my calendar even just playing the mental game of what are you going to how are you going to describe this this day right now is it is it overwhelming oh my gosh it's so much it's so much or am I going to look at it and take a breath and go well at least a I I have another day and B, what do I want to do in this moment of connection with this person you Mm -hmm. know that we're having a real conversation and and our real conversation will be heard by X amount of people and hopefully that will inspire them and realize that every moment has meaning if we can be present in it and be deliberate about how we want to live our lives. And it's a journey. Some days are better than others and they're all interconnected. So if my physical energy is compromised because my back hurts or it's raining and I can feel the, you know, the, the humidity or the, the moisture in my bones, right? All the things that might happen or a stomach ache, or a cold coming on, or whatever might be happening, I notice that it's that much more important for me to focus on the other elements of my management, of my energy, my mental, my emotional, my spiritual, my financial, my relational, uh, my recreational, all those other parts of me, I need to make sure that I'm really dialed into, especially if another one is compromised.
1: Well, yeah, intentionality is so important. You mentioned... Like having a cold, well, we can, what do you hear when people, even myself, I was unfortunately had uh, my oldest grandson and my great granddaughter here over Christmas. I could feel myself coming down with something and it, and it does, it changes our, our emotional state, our mental state, our physical state obviously is starting to change because we're not feeling good, but how do I look at it? What is my intentionality of looking at it? Oh, you know what? I'm I'm grateful because I have things I can take that will will help alleviate some of the symptoms. I, you know, I thought to myself, oh, I'm I'm don't I'm blessed. I don't have to work right now. I've taken the time off because I have relatives here, and you know, oh, I'm blessed because I have more people in the house that can help out than normal, <laughs> right? So yeah, it's right. but it, but it takes effort. People listening and it watching, it really does. It takes effort to think about. Stuff. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Sometimes I climb into the rabbit hole and I have to, you know, do the things that I've taught myself and remind myself, well, okay, you're in the rabbit hole now. How are you going to get out? Yeah. And yeah. you're not wallowing in there forever. I give myself a you time. Know, this reminds too, me right?
0: this reminds me of something that I read. Re- so I reread uh what we talked about prior to the 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 interview starting. Uh the four agreements by don miguel ruiz i reread it again it's really a foundational piece of content that i use for my masterminds that i do the the content crystallization masterminds that i do and i and i listened to it and something struck me that i hadn't heard or at least i hadn't really integrated before and it was in one of the agreements always do your best I, no one will ever argue that I do my best. I am sadly the poster girl for the hustle culture in my industry. And I have a friend that just texted me the other day that said, you're, you work harder than any person that I know. I actually don't want to be that person that everybody thinks is the hardest working person. I want to find better balance in my life so that I can not go all the time all the time all the time and so as I was listening to Don Miguel Ruiz's book you know I used to just sort of skip over it basically I mean tune out kind of because always do your best of course I always do my best. Of course, there's no question about it. That's part of what my mother taught me, right? Was just, you, if it is to be, it is up to me. Go, 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 do this, do this, do this, work when you don't want to. And so always do your best always kind of struck me as, yeah, well, of course, doesn't everybody do that? But here's the nuance that I discovered, which is always do your best, no more, no less. So when you think about, okay, I can give 100% of my energy right now, and I'm at 100%, but tomorrow or the next day or the next day, I may be at 40% ability because of life happening, right? Whatever might be, I might not feel well. I might be recovering from a big business trip. If I'm at 40%, then I need to give 100% of 40%, not 100% of 100% because what happens when i give a hundred percent at a hundred percent but i'm really at 40 i go into deficit of 60 percent of energy and there's only so much of that i can do before it will come back to me and and haunt me because it will have a detrimental impact on me so i'm really trying to d- t- dial into what's my best right now given where I'm at. And those are different every day. They're different. And I am learning that lesson that always doing my best looks different for me, depending on how I feel.
1: Well, yeah. I don't think I've ever had a day that's the same. And to me, if when I used to, like back in, you know, 20, 30 years ago, where I'd have that same hamster wheel day, it was the same thing. Go to work, go home, get paid. It you become very mentally stunted and emotionally stunted. You just you. It's like you climbed into a into your grave and you're just going back and forth. You haven't finished it until you pass away. You've created that rut, and it's certainly yeah. something. That, having gratefulness certainly helps. Like reflecting at night when I go to bed, reflecting when I get up in the morning, trying to, okay. to make it so that I'm not in that funk. But I like that, you know, you talked about being 100% of that 40%. Even if I'm in a funk, when I am having to do stuff in that, in that emotional state that I'm in, or that mental state, which are tied together, of I need to so. give 100%. I need to give 100% yeah. of that person I'm having a call with, whether it's a podcast or I'm dealing with a client with my finance business or I'm doing life coaching, whatever the case may be, suck it up. It, it, it does have That phrase does work. You do have to suck it up because somebody else is counting on you and you don't have the right to bring them down into your rabbit hole. Right. Right. So, right.
0: But meet them with, with integrity and humility yes, yes. and honesty and say, this is where I'm at. And I'm going to give you my best where I'm at right now.
1: Exactly. I like how you talk, too, about being the hardest working person in the room. I hear this quite often, too. You know, people will walk into a room, and I used to have this when I used to do a lot of uh, speaking engagements or workshops in regards to, you know, life planning, financial planning. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. And people will go, why don't you want to be the smartest person in the room? I'm in the wrong room. I'm not growing anymore. (laughs) If I'm always sometimes you're going to be the smartest person in the room. If you're getting, you know, you're going and getting an opportunity to speak and educate, you might be the smartest person in the room, but you shouldn't be the only smart person in the room. Normally there's other smart peoples and people, and you better be gravitating toward them and asking them their thought process or you know, tell me something about yourself. What's your origin? Right? That's why origin is so important to me. I like understanding. That we're all the same, even though I know we are, it's always a good reminder to have people say that, you know, this is what I've gone through and, and it, and don't be that person that's the uh, hardest working person in the room or the yeah. smartest person in the room. Just be a person that's kind, compassionate, you're humble, and be a good listener. Well, I'll end all yeah. that on that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really what I do professionally. So for me, you know, I started this business, uh, 15 years ago as a professional speaker because of the stuffed animals and the brushes, uh, you know, and doing the, the shows. Uh, I love being on stage. It's my natural habitat. And I had been, you know, had done hundreds of presentations, hundreds of keynotes, uh, and, and workshops and contract training and MC work and everything you could possibly imagine. Uh, If there's a microphone in hand and a stage, I'm there. Now, what I realized is I find uh, equal amount, if not more, satisfaction from helping other people get crystal clear on what makes them brilliant, because that's really their single biggest pain point is lack of clarity. They don't know who they are. They can't see their brilliance, and no one can. We are built that way. We're built not to fully see ourselves, because that's why it looks so weird when we we look in the mirror and we see certain distortions and certain things and oh this is ugly or this isn't right or this is this or this is that when other people see us completely differently we hear our voices and we don't sound like that right we go do we really sound like that so we don't see ourselves clearly ever and certainly business people don't when it comes to thought leadership and what they you know how they shine and what I realized as I started doing this work five or six years ago is I'm a professional co-creator, meaning I meet people where they are and I listen deeply. I listen deeply for uh, what they want. I listen deeply for what what makes them light up i listen deeply to what strategic value they have to the marketplace all of those things are important to really be able to tune into them and it's not just listening with our ears i call it a full body immersive experience is listening it's listening with my eyes it's listening with my ears it's listening with my heart it's listening with my body it's listening with my smile and their smile and all of those things happen where we get to the truth, we get to what's real, we get to what is meaningful. And, and I am sad to see the culture and just the speed, the speed of what's happening in the world, uh, have the impact that it's having on people's ability to truly, truly be present and to be in witness of someone they're too busy doing. They're all, they're all too busy doing.
1: Well, they right. don't, and they not- don't listen. They don't listen to one another. I like how you put that though. And I, and I smiled when you said that, because it's true. You need to look at somebody and watch their body language. And it doesn't matter yeah. if it's you and I on this, on this zoom call, it doesn't matter if it's face to face, watch people leaning yeah. forward, watch their shoulders, watch their how are their How is their stance? Because it, it speaks volumes. And then ask yeah. good questions because it might not be what you're presenting or what you're yeah. communicating it might be something they're going through and it's important for you to realize that because then you reap you pivot and say you know what i can see something's going on do you want to talk about it we can revisit what we're gonna work on later because just to get it done for the sake of getting it done isn't always the right call, right? It, it, sometimes no, it's, right. And, and most people don't understand that. But, but what I will say, it's, it is. You're right. It isn't something that comes naturally. We have to work on this. We have yes. to have, and we'll pivot that into the mastermind and and the being a thought leader conversation, which I'm excited to talk to you more about. I've been I know some of the biggest hurdles I've gone through in life, like you said, we don't know this stuff. We're not wired to be this way, is when I started becoming involved in in masterminds. And you know, I was in some large masterminds. Some of them were actual physical masterminds where you're in a room. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then some of them, and then it's gravitated towards zoom. And I, I, I know myself, I find that the best masterminds I belong to are the ones where it's like six, eight people really small, yeah. but I found it really intriguing reading about you that you, that the mastermind can be two. And I, and when yeah. I read that, I knew what you meant, but I wanted you to, to explain First and foremost, there'll be people listening to this that are new or even they're not new listeners that don't really understand what a mastermind is. So could you please start from the top, explain what a mastermind is and then down to where you're, where you find it effective, even a two person mastermind, if you could.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, I I mentioned Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill. Uh, In chapter 10 of Think and Grow Rich, it's called The Power of the Master mind two words master mind and the study of the power of the master mind is about in its essence two or more people coming together in the spirit of unity for a single purpose that is what a master mind is and when you look at that with its elegance and simplicity Uh, and clarity, you realize that very rarely are we in a mastermind. Most times we are in transactional relationship. Where we get together and you're showing up because you have needs and I'm showing up because I have needs and I'm really thinking about my needs as I'm helping you kind of do your needs, but I'm still wanting my needs fit met. And we're there's agendas and there's uh, there's different dynamics that happen that uh, bring the attention to you know, something different than what it really needs to be and we get distracted and there's all sorts of things that happen in business. Uh, And I'm going to specifically look at business right now. And, you know, how many times have I personally, I've hired uh, very expensive providers of services that have promised me the moon to help me, you know, spread the word, grow my impact, build my business. And it ended up invariably being a time suck and a money suck and an energy suck because I wasn't really being seen. I wasn't being seen. I was being sold. And what I talk about when I do my masterminds of two is that I work with individuals, uh, whether these are executives that are currently in a role that are readying. For transition. In other words, they they don't really have their own personal brand at all, uh, but they want to have one eventually to be able to do something independently, whether it's a thought leader at any stage of their business from, you know, emerging boy wouldn't be great if I shared my message to million dollar plus a year you know, speakers who need to reinvent themselves or entrepreneurs that have a brilliant idea and they don't know how to bring it to the marketplace and be distinctive, whatever it is. When I have a mastermind of two, what I am conveying to my co-creator, my client co-creator is you're not hiring me to create a fancy marketing, uh, you know uh presentation and i'm not going to dazzle you with the brand that i've created and i'm not going to look at the 50 page meet the brand survey that i'm going to ask you to fill out i'm not doing transaction transactional work i'm doing masterminds. And what that is, is when two or more people come together in the spirit of unity for a single purpose. So when I get together with my co-creators slash clients, I let them know straight up we're equals in this we are co-creating together. You aren't hiring me as your, you know, your marketing guru. You're and and I'm not dispensing my wisdom as a coach and you'll either take it or you won't. We are co-creating together. We are two or more people coming together in the spirit of unity for a single purpose. And their single purpose is their, our single purpose is their greatest success. So when I come into my masterminds, my Two day brand crystallization masterminds, my half day brand clarity reviews, all the different ways that I show up for people with people is I let them know we're doing this together. We're doing this together and everything is going to be about you. I'm not thinking about what am I going to sell them later? I'm not thinking about, oh, I got to make sure I hold back some of my brilliance so they can pay me more. I'm not doing that. I give them everything. I give them just as much as I would give to myself. And that's the magic. The magic is showing up from a full heart, from an open mind, right from a strong core, strong ground and saying, I am here to to work with you for your greatest good. And I think that's a very rare commodity these days.
1: No, oh, absolutely. In My industry it's terrible. It's all transactional based because you talked about that, right? You wanna be, people wanna be actually heard. And in order to do yeah. that, you need to start with a relationship like some of my appointments i have with people and i'll just start talking to them about them and i want to find out more about them and we'll talk about you know and then i'll connect to them in the sense of i've been through that or i understand you know i can empathize with what you're saying and again it's how i present it my tonality and my body language they're already yep. they're already indecisive about their life or their circumstances they've already felt like they're not being heard by society in general they may not even realize it intentionally, but they're just feeling that angst that they don't yeah. understand where it's coming from. And to have somebody actually listen to them. Is it for everybody? No, it's not. It's not for everybody. Some people will just say to me, I just want, I just want the transaction. I don't, I don't want, right. I don't want any of this. I've gotten to my point to a point after 21 years of doing this that I don't want that type of client. It doesn't mean that exactly. they don't need help but I feel empty. I feel shallow. Right. And it has to be about, like you said, that synergy, like it has to be yeah. that mastermind of two has to involve yes. both people. Otherwise
0: yes. equally, ex- exactly. Equally. And I'll spend, not, I, not, yeah,
1: I spend yeah. 12 to 15 hours before I talk about final products. If the, if there's a product or service that'll help them out, otherwise all of it's education, learning, getting to know them, them getting to know me, building that know, like, right. and trust. And it's a lot because all of a sudden it could be that lipstick stale. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. just using you, that you as an example, know. but you never know. I just look at you it as show a show up
0: though each time. Absolutely.
1: Right? And, and, you know, I, I know my numbers and a lot of those people, maybe initially they can't even afford the, the most basic because their life is yeah. just in a turmoil. They need a lot of help financially yeah. budgeting and just goal setting. They've never had that kind of direction. And I always tell myself, you know what, even if they never, ever do utilize something with me that where I can actually make money, have I left them better in this world? Are they going to move forward in this world? Are they going to talk to maybe they'll talk to somebody else and send them to me? And that's happened many, many times. Right? Yep, so yep. just have a giving heart. Be grateful yeah. for what I have that I can share and help them. Obviously, I want to survive and, and thrive and move forward in life. It's, it, it Relationship building is something that is so not utilized enough in all right. aspects Actually, of business.
0: I just started something this year, too, that I'm super excited about, Dwight, which is, again, I I specialize in masterminds of two. But then after having dozens of clients, what I realized is there's all these brilliant people now that they have cocktail napkin clarity, now that they know who they are, they know what they're doing, they know how they serve, they know how they're different. These brilliant people now have this unlocked, uh, you know, key to their success. And so I was very drawn to I want them all to know each other. So now I'm holding my own crystal circle hour every month where I bring all of my community together in a spirit of a mastermind and it is let's get together and the the intention is I'm gonna first of all just blast them with a bunch of mojo right at the very beginning and just tell them that I love them and that I'm here for them and that I see good things for them and that they are amazing right just to elevate their energy immediately and then it's like okay let's talk about what can I give you what have I seen in the last month that I know will help all of you and let's do some hot seat coaching and let's give some asks you know and and offer some gives and do these things in a group capacity so taking that mastermind of two energy and bringing it into the mastermind of us has been a really rewarding and by the way not just rewarding emotionally it's it was immediately emotionally rewarding getting all of these people together but then very soon after that it was financially rewarding because those in the circle were saying, Oh, I I want to do this thing that she just lit up in someone else. I want to look at that and see how I can maybe ha- work with Teresa. So the money comes when you can stay in that mastermind mentality.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. That's, that's, that's great that you're doing that. I've masterminds themselves can really make it so that it can elevate people as you're talking about. The biggest thing is it also, it, it also separates people too. It, I've found that all of a sudden people would be on a mastermind all of a sudden don't come on because they're not at the right emotional or mental mm. state to be in that environment to hear yeah. or they'll hear like you mentioned somebody else is really excited about something that they've experienced and one person might be "Oh, I'm going to try that out and another person yeah. might be jealous or they might be yeah. envious. It, it really it show. I see it because some of the calls will be and all of a sudden people aren't on for a few weeks and then they'll come on and they'll share that. What happened? This triggered it in them and yeah. they they climbed into a rabbit hole. And, but yep. I think masterminds are a great place for people to start. And, and I, now I, I love the fact that you talked about the mastermind at It's going to make me think differently of when I have the calls that I have with people and it's just them and myself, right? It, yeah. It's, it's, it is a mastermind. It is something that I, uh, don't take for granted, but I need to think differently about it. Right? To, right. It can then heighten my energy level even more to ensure that I'm giving them the result they deserve. Right. Yeah, and it changes
0: also the way you see yourself too, because then if you know you're holding masterminds of two, and you're really giving all of yourself and all of your resources, all of your wisdom and your insight and your creativity and your energy and your power and your vision and your hope, and you just are really showing up 100% for that person for that single purpose, then you know how much value that has. You do know how much value that has when you show up like that so that when you're having quote sales conversations about what your offer is, when you can lean into the power of the mastermind instead of thinking about, gee, I hope they choose my services or I hope they choose my products, you stay in that sales role when you're in that transactional mentality. When you move into, elevate into a mastermind mentality, then you're really peers and strategic potential strategic partners. And that's what makes sales so much easier. So if we can get back to the business part of the impact of this is when you know yourself with such clarity that you can draw it on a cocktail napkin and you operate from a mindset of masterminds versus I'm selling you something, then people a your confidence soars because you know who you are and b you're staying in your power seat and your power seat is your heart your power seat is your heart it's not your brain it's not your hands and feet working really really hard and writing that one more email and doing that one more phone call it's not your power seat is your heart and so when you can that's where the mastermind lives is is in that space of genuine uh uh, generosity and openness and willingness to connect deeply to another
1: Oh, absolutely it's uh i look at the fact you talked about the napkin presentation i had written comments about that too you don't hear a lot of people talking about napkin presentations unless you're in a lot of mlms and network marketing companies use napkin presentations. And I remember learning my first napkin presentation and took that into being able to literally be on a plane and grabbing yes. a little napkin and I've unfolded yes. it and showed people what I can do, right? And yes, in a very exactly. concise presentation, but many people yep. listening or watching don't understand that. So can you go more into about the what the napkin sure. presentation can Absolutely. do for somebody to highlight their expertise?
0: Yeah, well, first and foremost, I'd like to offer them to go see my latest TEDx talk. So I did a program at TEDx Temecula called Doodle Your Dream, How a Cocktail Napkin Will Save the World. And that really is my idea worth sharing, my idea worth spreading, which is when we can draw our brilliance on a cocktail napkin, we can sell it anywhere, anytime to anyone. It is a transformative tool. The cocktail napkin is the single most important technology that we can utilize. I truly believe this. I When we get so clear we can draw it and a child can understand it, I'm not talking about making bullet point lists and I'm not talking about creating acronyms, I'm literally talking about creating a picture of what we want to uh, convey Uh, that is the level of clarity that I uh, provide people and that I think is an essential aspect in this very distracted overwhelmed uh, noisy world that we live in we need to cut through the noise of words endless 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 words and pictures are the only thing that do that Pictures are what takes our brain, um, they, they, they pro- our brain processes pictures faster, it uh, enacts emotions more than words do. There's so many reasons why we want to get cocktail napkin clarity on what we do. And what I find in that is two things. Number one, it's very difficult for us to uh, see it ourselves okay just as we will never see ourselves fully in life we'll never hear what we really sound like we'll never see our full essence we can't really see ourselves when we're so close to it so uh, the first part of getting cocktail napkin clarity is who's the person that can see me that i don't that 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 i can't see myself and that person needs to be Uh, not just loving and supporting, but they need to be honest. They need to be direct. They need to be uh, strategic. They need to understand your, you know, your market. You need to understand the industry. So who is that person that can see you is the first question to get cocktail napkin clarity. The second thing is how do I cut away everything that doesn't really matter? So, for example, when I'm working with a thought leader or, a, or an executive who wants to create, you know, her own brand uh, and build a, you know, a foundation of thought leadership on that, what I will do is I will ask them to create a box of brilliance for me. And what I do is I say, wherever you have shined, Dwight, wherever you have shined, maybe this is a workshop that you did that you recorded on Zoom, maybe it's a 10 minute workshop. Uh, uh, podcast interview maybe it's a manuscript that you've written that you've never even published yet where have you shined in the world and and put that in the box of brilliance and so what happens is people put in anywhere from 5 to 95 pieces of content in this box of brilliance where they have looked at themselves and said i'm proud of this i like this i want to do more of this whether it's i mean it can still also equally be ugly and word salad and thought spaghetti and half baked and it shouldn't ever be shown to anybody anywhere. Okay. And, and that's what I offer them is this safe space to say, give me it all. I don't care if you were 50 pounds heavier. I don't care if this was 20 years ago. I don't care if it, if you're still talking about old technology, that doesn't matter. If it's something that still lights you up, then it belongs, then it belongs in your box of brilliance. And so I liken it to, you know, uh, michelangelo's got a a huge you know slab of marble italian marble and he chipped away everything that wasn't david he chipped away everything that wasn't david so when i'm looking at a box of brilliance from one of my co-creators one of my clients i here's the magic i actually read it and i actually watch it and I actually listen to it, I'm not scanning it, I'm not not reviewing it, I'm not spot listening to it from here to here to here and jumping through it, I'm actually meeting people where they are in their content okay and seeing it the way it was designed to be seen most people don't read your books most people don't listen to full podcasts most people don't even pay attention to speakers on stage for all 60 minutes they're busy talking to somebody else or getting on their phone or doodling on the notepad or checking out or thinking about their to-do list they're doing different things so when i'm crystallizing someone i and i'm in their box of brilliance I am seeing them for the first time, really, and what will happen is when you're in a full level of presence with someone vis-a-vis their content, right, Uh, when I'm fully present with someone's energy through their content, what will happen is I will notice where they light up, I will feel, literally, in my body, I will feel when somebody is excited about something and when they're just saying it just to say it, and I will distill down to a few words what are they really talking about, and when I get to those themes that I've distilled down, then I get creative and get the dry erase board out and I design a -a one-of-a-kind model around it that then goes on the cocktail napkin. So it starts with a holistic view of where do I shine, where am I brilliant, where where have I been lit up, and, and really examining those things for the essence of what they are so that you can then draw that thing in a really, you know, intuitive, poetic, memorable, actionable, marketable way. So it's a journey that we take from this beautiful place of brilliance to where everybody shines so brightly in so many different ways and they can do so many things and they have so many programs and so many gifts and so many strategies, blah, 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 blah. We're no loss of words. The real challenge is how do you wade through all those words to get to something that you can draw in three to seven words in a picture. And the way that you do that is to really be with and observe and honor and love and notice all of those things so that you can really only take down the things that matter the most.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's important that we actually let that person know in a very concise period of time, because it's like a, it's like a mosquito. It's gone. It's just oh yes right they yes. you lose their attention attention yes. span because there's as you mentioned so many people in a in a room listening to a talk they're zoned out people don't listen yep. to whole podcasts they don't read whole books and no. and, and you know what I, I used to think to myself well i've sold so many books but yet i hardly got any reviews well it's hard mm-hmm. enough to get them to finish the book let alone to go on and put a review <laughs> But a review finish the book.
0: Try starting the yeah. book. Half of, I mean I've got they books cl- I haven't like, even started. They
1: collect dust on our shelves. Yes, I get it. Yeah, that's why yeah. I focused more on Audible. I find I'm more likely not as not 100, percent but I'm more likely to get to an Audible book than I am to pick up a physical book. But yeah, yeah you bring up so many good points. You talk about your crystallization method, the process you developed. And how it ties into sales and thought leadership? Can you talk a little bit more about that, please?
0: Sure. So when I crystallize somebody, just like I de- described, where you know they have a box of brilliance, they put in all this content, and I essentially am like a CSI investigator for someone's brilliance. I find it through their content. I will notice it, and and I will and I will pull it into a uh, a framework, a unique framework that's that maps to their personality a framework that then can really be the bones of everything because as a thought leader as a speaker author coach consultant advisor trainer influencer anyone who's taking their brilliance and putting it out in the world and saying i can make it a better place because of it any and your business itself when you're doing that one of the biggest challenges that you have to success is you never know what you should be working on next, or that sales are difficult because you don't seem to be converting in the conversation, or you don't know what your marketing strategy should be. And what happens is, in my with my energy eyes this is how i see the world is that people chase after first of all they're chasing after the money first monetize 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 when they can't monetize to the degree that they want to they push against the grain of organic growth and they try to amplify they try to pay someone to help them grow right and the reality is it's because they actually don't know how to clarify their brilliance. They can't draw it. They can't see it in its simplest, most elegant form. And so my crystallization process that I do helps them not only get that perfect picture, but they also get the perfect words. So they're sending out the same words all the time. For example, my picture of my brilliance even though we're on a podcast if you can imagine that each one of us we each have a spirit print inside of us in our hearts the reason why we're here the reason why we want to send this out into the world what is our brilliance that's different than everybody else like a fingerprint except it's our our purpose right that's in our hearts and so if you imagine that each person has this heart and it's got that cocktail napkin right there on it when that resonates then out outside of ourselves into the world we're amplifying it we're bringing it out into the world that amplification there's only four ways people take us in they read us so they could be reading our blogs they could be reading our emails they could be reading our books right they could be reading our podcast transcriptions they're reading us they're listening to us like uh, they're listening to us right now on a podcast interview. Maybe they're listening to us in an audio uh, book. They're watching us. So they're watching videos that we've done, clips on TikTok, you know, uh, d- d- f- Facebook Lives. And then they're interacting with us. They're interacting with us when we're on stage. They're interacting with us when we are uh, uh, at a networking event. They're interacting with us when we are just randomly in an airport bar okay so all these places what happens in business in my view the reason why it's that's so hard for so many people is because all those amplification ways that we're sending out into the world they're all saying different things our website says something different than our LinkedIn, which says something different than what we say in podcast interviews, which says something different than w- how we would describe ourselves in a networking event. It's all different. Everything is different. And when we're just, dis- when we have a dis, disparate way of communicating our brilliance because we don't really know it when we're doing a little bit of this a little bit of this a little bit of this and a little bit of this all these different ways what's happening is we're diffusing our energy out in the marketplace where people don't really know what we do they don't know what makes us different but when we are dialed in like mine clarify amplify monetize and then it monetizes after you've been amplifying it strategically across all the ways people take us in they we don't have to sell anymore we're actually magnetizing people to us so clarify amplify monetize from the inside out right when you know yourself to that degree then everywhere you show up for example for me reading They, people who read the transcript of this podcast will know that I'm all about cocktail napkin clarity, clarify, amplify, monetize. They will understand that. And when I write my articles, they see that that's what that, that I'm about that as well. When they read my posts on social media, that's what I'm posting about. When I speak on podcasts, this is what I talk about. When I get on keynote stages and I'm talking about personal brands and negotiate and, and networking and sales and marketing and all the things I'm saying the same stuff over and over and over again so that no matter who is seeing me, where they're seeing me, how they're seeing me, they're getting the same information and that makes business so much easier. Now I want to bring it one, so that's marketing, right? That's the marketing part that makes it easy because you're just going to be doing the same stuff over and over and over and over again now where it becomes the, the, the sales, right? How do we actually get the do re mi? How do we get the money? How do we get the money off the cocktail napkin is when you know yourself so well that you can draw it, when a child could understand what you do or a VP of sales or an HR director, right? All of those people, when you get so clear on that, what you can do as a salesperson or as someone who needs sales as part of your business, what you can do is simply relax and you can be present with the person that's across the table from you or across the zoom from you and you can truly 100 percent be full body listening to them and most times we're so nervous about what we're going to say and sell that we're not really fully full body listening to anybody because we're worried that they're going to ask us something that we can't answer or bring up in a uh obstacle that we can't overcome and we're in our own mind uh, half the time when we're quote selling right so when we're in cocktail napkins show and tell i can be super relaxed and just go tell me about you i want to know about you i want to know what's going on what matters right what matters where do you want to go that's my favorite question where do you want to go what what would what does it actually look like right? And asking those right questions to really get a full sense of who they are. And when you do that, A, you're getting incredible amount of intel to be able to utilize to craft your responses to them. But B, what you're doing is you're really opening them up. You're opening their hearts up. And when they can really be seen like that and heard and understood, then when you bring in your cocktail napkin to talk to them about it and say, well, this is what I do. I deliver cocktail napkin clarity for uh, brands and businesses so they can clarify, amplify, and monetize in that order. That's what I do. And when I'm talking about my cocktail napkin to a potential client, co creator, I'm leaning into the power of the cocktail napkin, not, gee, I hope they like me. I'm just describing what I know to be true. And I tell people on sales calls all the time, Dwight, I say, when they invariably turn to me and say, tell me about, about you. After they've told me everything about them, I say, I deliver cocktail napkin clarity and it's, and I freaking love it. It's my favorite thing to do in the whole wide world. I totally love seeing other people and I love drawing their brilliance and I start talking about what I believe in, which is I believe that the way that we solve problems in our businesses is we need to clarify it first before we amplify and then we monetize. And it's a hill I'm willing to die on. And when you talk to that level of competence and confidence, people feel it and they see it and they want to have a part of it. Right, as opposed to selling, going well. I offer a variety of marketing services that will help you increase your reach. And you know, who cares?
1: No, there right? nobody
0: cares. The, the
1: energy of the way you stated that though was going to affect, it, of course, right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> it's all about the well, energy. Well, we're it's always all about the
1: energy. We're people of we're creatures of needing energy. Our brains are a giant computer. We don't put the right things in. We don't ask the right questions. We don't get asked the right questions and we just get stuck on that hamster wheel. So, you know, people that are listening or watching. What Teresa is talking about is so important. Some of what you talked about is the inconsistencies of what we represent as a personal brand. Sometimes it's a business brand. There's it's discombobulated all over the place, right? They can look at, like you look at my, my brand, give a heck. My book talks about, it focuses on origin. It focuses on specific things. My podcast is the same way. My business is the same way,
0: Exactly. but it takes
1: effort. It doesn't happen easily. Um, I had lots of great people helping me and those listening or watching. Teresa, somebody that could definitely help you Um, reach out to her and find out how she can help you because to sit and feel helpless is a choice. to have success right. and take that first baby step is a choice. Initially it might be a little bit of a angst and some pain, right? But that's good pain. Pain is letting you know you're alive and that you want more out of life, right? It doesn't have to mean that you know you can you have to stay stuck, right? There's great people right. like Teresa out there. So Teresa, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up?
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I would say that, uh, mm-hmm. first of all, thank you. I, I loved it. And I would love to have people check me out at TeresaRose.com uh, slash clear if they want to know about my crystallization process. And it's spelled like there's a rose.com in case you're wondering. Uh, and what I would offer up your audience is, use cocktail napkin clarity. Uh, The next time that you are presenting something important, see what you can do to draw a picture of it and let that magic take hold.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great closing message. And I'll make sure that uh, those new to the show, go to giveaheck.com and you'll see the show notes and you'll be able to find the links of how to reach out to Teresa as well as her social media. And yeah, Don't sit and wait, do something today, make a difference in your life. It only takes, you know, the time you've spent to listen to this. You deserve that and two times, three times to start on the road of, you know, discovery for yourself and and where you can live an intentional life. So um, is there any last minute things you'd like to add before we wrap up the show?
0: No, thank you for the opportunity. And I look forward to your listeners drawing their brilliance. Go doodle that dream and check out that TEDx talk so you can get inspired to
1: do so. Absolutely. I plan on checking it out myself. So thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Teresa. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others, too, can learn. It is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website giveaheck.com and until next time together let us all strive to give a heck